Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Orse and today we'll be talking about the films The Secret Life of Pets, The Dog Lover, Independence Day Resurgence, The Original BFG, and also Cinemability. But right now we're going to talk to Willie, who is 16 and lives in Florida, about the wonderful new animated film, The Secret Life of Pets. So, Willie, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. So, I personally love this film, but what did you think about it? Oh, I loved it, too. Um, I thought it was very, very funny. I thought it, the characters were engaging and, and utterly brilliant. I thought the voice acting was nice, and I think it's some of the most beautiful animation I've seen in, in, in a while. I do have to agree with you on all of that, but can you tell us the story about the film? Yeah, so there's this dog named Max, and he has his owner, and then one day the owner brings in a new dog named Duke, and they don't get it off right away. And so one day in this beautiful city of New York, the two get into a bunch of mischief, attempting to escape the, the, uh, the dog catchers and other animals chasing them. And what did you think about the story? Do you think it was unexpected? Do you think it was original? Um, I felt the plot was actually the weakest part of the movie. Um, mm. Not that it's weak in, in any way. It's not, it's not a bad plot. I just think that, that there are some moments where it kind of gets carried away with itself. You know, like there's, there's this scene where they're in the sausage factory, and um, it cuts to a bunch of living sausages, and the song from Greece was playing over. I just feel that there were some scenes that um, that took a gag a little too far. You know, I do have to agree with you that the Sausage Factory was kind of one of the scenes that you'd expect in something on a website on the internet, not a professional film you'd see in theaters, kind of just something random. And this kind of leads to another point I had. You're talking about in your review for the film how this reminded you of a 50s comedy. What did you see in the film that reminded you of a 50s comedy? Well, in the 50s and the 60s, during the comedies, they would have this, this upbeat score playing in the background to help the film with its pacing and its tempo and, and to sell the tone of the film, you know, the more comical tone. And this movie had that, and I absolutely loved it. Additionally, a lot of the characters are your typical 50s and 60s comedy characters. You have the idiotic gangster, which would be Snowball. You have the, um, the two protagonists who meet and don't like each other and end up liking each other with Max and Duke. You have the hopeless romantic just, just a lot of things reminded me of 50s and 60s comedies, and I absolutely loved it. You know, and I also have to note it, have to point out, there is a lot of references to older films as well. Like, many, many references in this film. So, you also talked kind of about the music, and my next question is about the soundtrack. What did you think about the soundtrack, and do you think it fit well with the story? I think it fit brilliantly with the story. Um, Alexandre Desplat, who scored the film, is one of my favorite composers. He did things like Grand Budapest Hotel and The Imitation Game. I think he does a wonderful job of just keeping just keeping with the tone. This is one of my favorite scores I've heard in the past few years. Mm. And you kind of talked about how you love the visuals and the camera shots of New York City, but what did you think about the camera shots in general, like cinematography in general? I felt it did its job very well. One thing this movie has that a lot of animated films tend to not have is a lot of great visual comedy. Comedy without words, a lot of great slapstick. 
I think that uh, that, that the ang- cinematography really caught a lot of the physical comedy very well. And do you think the comedy ever got old? No. No, there were only a couple of gags that went on a couple beats too long, but not really. I mean, it's, it's really rapid fire. It's well paced. Mm. And do you think this comedy would apply to all ages or just kids? Oh, no, I think it applies to all ages. I think the um I think the slapstick applies more to the kids because they like to see things falling and, and, and whatnot, some of that absurdist comedy. But there are a lot of a lot of the lines themselves, the deliveries, can be attested to by, by older people. I mean I had a ball at the theater. Yeah, I have to agree with you. And one last question I have for you is what did you think of the moral message of the story? What do you think it was? I think you know, that was also another one of my issues. I wasn't quite sure what it was trying to say except for appreciate your pets and just treat them right and enjoy them while you have them. Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. It was a little vague, and I think that is a fantastic moral, though. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we will talk about the films The Dog Lover, Independence Day Resurgence, The Secret Life of Pets, the BFG original DVD, and also Cinemability, but right now we're going to continue talking to Willie about The Secret Life of Pets. He was just kind of talking about how one of the bad things about this film, that there is no real clear moral. One of them was to treat the your animals better and good. And my next question for you, Willie, is do you have a favorite character? Do I have a favorite character? I really like Snowball a lot. I mean, Kevin Hart voices Snowball with such energy and, and such comic passion. I can't help but but just laugh at everything he says. Chloe reminds me of a lot of my teenage friends just over everything. I love Katie. I think Katie's really cute. Ellie Kemper voices her wonderfully. So I, in in that little cast of absurd characters, I, I have a few favorites, yeah. You know, and I have to notice that all the main characters were good, but the side characters really brought out the joy of the film. I don't know if that if you agree with that. Just to me, it seems like the side characters really made the film funny. Now, do you have a favorite scene? I don't think I do. Not off the top of my head. There are a lot of scenes I really enjoy. I, I, I really, I like the sequence where the group that goes to to save Max and Duke, just seeing them wander throughout the city, the different ideas the writers came up with of ways they can get to the um to the underground. I thought that was really cute and well scored. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, and that was definitely one of the funniest parts of the film as well. Now, what do you think the age range for this film is? I would say um, 7 to 18. I don't see any reason why younger kids around that age range couldn't appreciate it. And I certainly don't see any reason why older people couldn't appreciate it. And do you think this this movie portrays animals well? Like in terms of, do you think they make animals a little too more, too fantasy or they make it pretty realistic? I mean, as realistic as talking animals who rummage in New York City can be, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they don't they don't misrepresent animals, I suppose. Now, what do you think would be kind of the main genre for your film? I feel like it would be con- kind of comedy or action, but what do you think? I'd say adventure comedy, definitely. I mean, mm. they, they just travel so much, and it's so funny. I think adventure comedy uh, is a good label for it. I definitely agree with you on that. And who do you think this would apply to most? Do you think this would apply to comedy fans, action fans, or do you think it's fine in between? Oh, definitely comedy fans. Um, action fans would be highly disappointed, I think. Mm, I definitely have to agree with you on that. And did you feel like you were disappointed at all at the end of the film? Like you expected something that wasn't there? No, actually. Um, Despite the fact I don't feel it had a clear message, I was satisfied with the ending because I was expecting it to end that way. 
And do you think it was kind of let down because it ended as you expected and there was no unexpected ending? Oh, no, not at all. I think that's perfect comic writing because there's, there's no way the plot could have gone that, that was unpredictable, that we, that we couldn't have guessed. So I, I, think it, I think it was fine. Now, I have one more question for you. What do you think would be a good... Do you think there would be a sequel for this film? Like, do you think this film could have a sequel? I certainly hope not. Um, <laughs> as, much as, I love these, I love, as much as I love these characters, I, I enjoy seeing them in this, one, in this one story, in this one plot, because it was such a huge success and it worked so well. I just wouldn't take the chance of making another one. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about this film. If you'd like to check out this film, it is now in theaters near you. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Ors, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. This show is sponsored by Endgame by Shout Factory. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hobbiton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Willie about the secret life of pets, and now we are going to talk about the Dog Lover, Independence Day Resurgence, the BFG original DVD, and Cinema Ability. <clears throat> so right now we are speaking with 14-year-old Jerry from L.A. about the Dog Lover. So we're going to start off on a little bit of a calmer, calmer film because obviously... The Dog Lover is completely different from Independence Day Resurgence. So, Jerry, what are your initial thoughts about The Dog Lover? You know, I had really high hopes for the film because it looked pretty nice. You know, I love I love any movie about dogs especially. So I had really high hopes, and this film looked really cool. And then I watched it, and I have to say I was kind of disappointed. The story is the same old story. Somebody works for the bad guys. They realize they're the bad guys, changes sides, and then they run into a whole bunch of problems. And I felt like it was very unoriginal and very expected, which is very disappointing. And pretty much everything was so simple and expected. And... The acting was okay, but for the side characters, it was plain cheesy. For the main characters, an emotional and fantastic job, but for the side characters, not so much. Yeah, sometimes they 
they put all their efforts, I guess you could say, efforts and money and and looking out for people as their main characters that can really do a great job. And then they sometimes, as they drift off into not the lesser important, but the the characters that have smaller and smaller lines or smaller and smaller parts, they kind of slack off a little bit. And then by the people that have like two or three lines, it's like, what, what were you doing? I don't understand. So I, sometimes it's like that. And then sometimes like the last film that you were talking about with the secret life of pets, it was like the main characters were awesome, fantastic. And then the supporting characters were also pretty marvelous. So, you know, it's just, it's just what happens sometimes. So I know that you said this film was very predictable and very unoriginal, but did you learn anything from this film that you that you didn't see from other films? Uh, I wouldn't say so. I don't know if this film really followed truth to what its story is. Its story is pretty much about Sarah Gold, played by Allison Page, who is a young woman that is part of a nonprofit organization that's completely and utterly against dog breeding, which is completely new to me because I didn't know anybody was against dog breeding. I got my dog from a dog breeder and I love her so much and she was treated fine. So I've never heard of an organization against dog breeding. If that's a real thing, that's completely new to me. And it taught me a lot about what dog breeding organizations are, but otherwise, no, I wouldn't say so. And, and you said that this story is, it's not true to its plot. What did you mean by that? Did they like present a plot to you in the trailer or in the storyline and then they completely went off of it? No, I meant like, I don't know if it's true to life. I don't know if it follows real life, but if it follows real life uh, logic and what's going on in the real world. Oh yeah. I personally, I really haven't thought about my views on, on dog breeding. I think that if they're treated well and if they are, if they're exercised and they are fed well and they are loved, I think that dog breeding is fine. But then there are some people that are like, no, dog breeding is wrong. And But I do think that puppy mills are like, why would you do that? Why would you have a puppy mill and treat the dogs like you treat them? But that, that's just me. Um, do you think that the producers do well with how they, how they produce this film? Because, of course, films have different areas like there's the director and then there's the actors and producers so by the producer alone do you think that they did a good job i have to say that the producers did a pretty well job because one thing i did love about the film was location producers are somewhat responsible for location and they chose the locations perfectly it was beautiful it fit the film very well fit every single scene perfectly and some scenes the story was meh meh the acting was meh meh but the background was spectacular to see fields and trees and galloping horses sometimes so they did okay i have to say some parts they probably could have improved on like casting and choosing different parts and improving the story and all of that but for location i'd say they do fine they did fine and I think location is a big part of a film. And, and and of course, I could say that every part is important to a film because it is. But I think location is the is one of the first things that you see. It's one of the first things that you get attached to. So I think that if the location is good and you're very captive, captivated by the location, I think that's that's a step in the right direction. So from looking at the trailer, it looks like a little romance in the storyline. And I am, as you know, I'm not against romance, but sometimes it just doesn't fit in the film. But did it fit to the rest of the story and the plot? You know, they didn't 
pressure too much on romance, which is good because this is not supposed to be a romantic film. This is supposed to be more of a drama film. And the romance was okay, actually. It wasn't too cheesy, and it's really hard to do romance, so it's not cheesy. They did very well. My favorite scene is one of a romance scenes, not about the romance that's going on, but the background of it. But anyway, there is a lot of romance in the film between two characters, the son of the dog breeder and uh, Sarah Gold. And it was rather smooth. It felt realistic, and it felt... It felt, you know, true and emotional. And and I must say, even even one of the cheesiest films, like the cheesiest romance films, I will love. I, it's just that's how I am. Um, because I think to me, the cheesier it is, like it gets so cheesy that it's so bad, but it's like it's so bad that it's so good. Like you have to laugh at it and you have to just love it for everything that it has. So really quick, how many stars do you give this film? You know, I think that even though there's a lot of problems and there's a lot of good things, I think I'm going to give it three out of five stars because it's kind of average between bad and good. There's a lot of good things like very good location, pretty good romance, mostly good acting, but a very expected story and some bad acting and a few other problems. So I'm going to say three out of five stars. Yeah, well, films have their ups and downs sometimes, so it's 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 not perfect and it's not horrible. It's it's average. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about Independence Day Resurgence, the BFG original DVD, and Cinemability. So the Dog Lover is available on DVD, guys. So please check it out. So right now we are smoothing past with Jerry moving on to the film Independence Day Resurgence, which is a completely different topic and a completely different kind of atmosphere. So Jerry, what did you think about the what you saw in this film was it different than how you felt about the dog lover it was the complete opposite i absolutely love this film you know it's very rare when a sequel let alone a reboot would actually live up to the legend of the previous film and i have to say this is a very rare case when it does because there's so much fantastic about this the story the special effects everything was just perfect and so dramatic and so intense it legitimately had you in the seat on the edge of your seat for the entire film (laughs) and i think how we how we do things or not how we do things but how society has kind of trained us and and i don't know when this started but we always assume that that sequels are not going to be as good or they're going to be completely horrible and and i don't think we're led wrong a lot of times we see movies and they're like why did you make a sequel out of that because that was horrible and now the series is ruined for me but it it sounds like it it's it's a very good film because i saw the first one with my dad and when I saw that they were coming out with another one, I was like, oh, geez, Lord Jesus, why are they doing this? And and it sounds like it paid off to do another one. Yeah, I was actually really worried because judging from the trailers, they didn't really show much of a story. They just showed this beautiful special effects. So I was really worried this is just going to be uh, eye candy, just show you nonstop special effects, explosion, bang, bang. And it did really have a meaningful story. So I have to say I'm very surprised and amazed that they put so much into it because I honestly thought they would put no work into it. So earlier you thought this film was going to be just eye candy. So how was the visual effects? Eye candy, pretty much. I have to say that, (laughs) you know, the first Independence Day was revolutionary in terms of special effects. And I think they want to get that same effect on the second one. And they really did achieve it because like throughout the whole film, you just saw these giant 
giant ships ripping planets and celestial bodies apart, ripping ships apart and destroying oceans and cities. It was spectacular and scary, honestly, and just made you think, oh, God, what if aliens really came here, just like the first one made you feel. So I have to say that they did it perfectly to live up to the previous legend. That is fantabulous. So I have read a few reviews on this film, and it ranges from disappointment, like very disappointed. I'm like, no, and then, but it also ranges from disappointment to the best summer blockbuster, and it's amazing. So, I mean, obviously, I know where you stand, or I know what range you stand in. You think it's a pretty good film, but do you understand why some people would say it's a it's a disappointing film? You know, I think I do because it's somewhat different from the previous film when the previous film was kind of more concentrated on what's going on here on Earth and how it's infecting everybody. This film was more concentrating on directly fighting them. Like, it wasn't completely and utterly just focusing on the survivors and them trying to get out. It was pretty much the complete opposite because the first one, it was the story about them and then they lead led to the government, the government and them work to fight them. But in the second one, it was pretty much the opposite. It was like all about the government from the perspective of the president and all of that. So I do, I can see why people wouldn't like it. And there are a few other things like maybe they didn't like the moral or maybe they thought it was a little too much, but I honestly loved every bit of it. Yeah, and, and if you ponder about it, sometimes it, it had to change because if it was about the same people and they were doing the same thing, then you would be saying a completely different thing about this film. You'd be like, well, it, just like this, it was just like the first one and, and it was very predictable and it didn't give anything. So that that's probably why they had to change it. So how many stars do you give this film? I definitely give it five out of five stars because it li- it lived up to the previous film, Independence Day Legend, and that's well, that's pretty much what counted for me, and it achieved that perfectly. So I give it five out of five stars. And what age range do you give this film? It is rather mature. I would say 11, 12 to 18 because there's a lot of gory and intense scenes. There's some language. So I'd say 11 to 18. Yeah, I assume that from the trailer. I, I was like, yeah, it maybe looks like a little bit too old for a younger audience. So I just wanted to clear that up. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about Independence Day Resurgence. Thank you for letting me talk about it. <laughs> it's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hope Beaton, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Endgame from Shout Factory. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? 
Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've just talked about the films, The Dog Lover, and also Independence Day Resurgence. And right now we're going to talk to Ryan about The Secret Life of Pets. Ryan is 12 and from New York. And Ryan, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am doing fantastic. So, Ryan, what did you think about this animated film? I thought that this film is hilarious. And it's just great from beginning to end. And what do you think the main genre of the film is? Do you think it's comedy? Do you think it's adventure? What do you think it is? I think of it as like an adventure. It's like an action adventure comedy slash children's film. I have to agree with you on that. And what do you think of the animation of the animals? Not the humans, but the animals, since this film was all focused on the animals. What did you think about it? I felt like they were very family friendly, like because I think Illumination made it. It kind of reminds me of the Minions, like the how it's designed. Kind of reminds me of Despicable Me. You know, now that you mentioned it, I can't see like a little connection between Despicable Me and this film because the animation is very similar. And what did you think about the soundtrack? The soundtrack really fit in well with every single joke. Willie kind of talked about that. But what did you think? The soundtrack is pretty great because it kind of matches the tone of the situation. And what is your favorite scene in the film? My favorite scene would be when Jid, I think her name is Jidget, and the person who plays Jidget is Jenny Slate, and she realizes that Max, like, she can't find him. And then she's watching, a t- like, a soap opera, and then she's acting so overdramatic, and it's hilarious, and, uh, and she tries to find him, and she does crazy things to find him, it's just hilarious just watching her, like, freak out. And do you think that animal owners especially would enjoy this film because they can relate on how the dogs and cats are acting in the film? I Yeah, pet, people who own pets would love this because it would be cool just thinking, like, what if my pets would do this in real life? That would be very interesting. And how many stars do you give this film? I give this five out of five stars. This film is fantastic. And how about the age range? Uh, I would have to say 6 to 18, maybe, like, younger, because it's, like, a little, um, about a few intense scenes. Besides that, it's okay. I have to agree. There's a few scenes that may be a little too much, but otherwise, it is definitely family-friendly. Speaking of family-friendly, do you think that the comedy is meant for only kids or for adults, too? This film, I have to say, is both. It's for kids and adults, because... There's some jokes for adults, and I can tell, like, how it might not bore them because, like, not many adults would like to see kids' films because you never know, like, if there's just kids' jokes. And this film actually has both, so it entertains both adults and children. 
Now, what do you do? You think the comedy ever got older or boring or kind of a little too much, or do you think that all the jokes are perfect now pushed too much? What do you think? The jokes were on point. Not to say like every joke that was made made me laugh a lot, and I almost had like a little laugh attack because it was extremely hilarious. I have to agree. It was a hilarious film, and I enjoyed every single little bit of it. Now, do you have a favorite character? My favorite character would be Snowball and Jidget. Jidget's my favorite because because I love how dramatic she gets over finding Max. It's just funny how how she changes from like her regular self to like finding Max. And also, I like Snowball and Kevin Hart voices Snowball because when they first introduced the character, the I was laughing because. He was introduced, like, in a joke kind of way, and it was, like, this huge action scene, which he causes in, like, the first minute when he's in. And it's just funny. He's just a funny character. I have to agree. Kevin Hart really did just a legendary, legendary job. Now, Willie, we previously talked about this film in this episode. He kind of said that there's no real set moral. What do you think about the moral? I think a moral be, I guess, it's hard to explain the moral, like, they kind of, like, show it. They really, like, show a strong moral. There's, like, a little hidden, I guess, morals. Like, appreciate, like, how Willie said, like, appreciate, like, your pets in general. And also appreciate your siblings because Max has a new brother named Duke. And they don't really get along. And you see if it changes in a good way or a bad way. I have to agree with you. That, like Willie said, and also that is just a fantastic moral, and I really do think a lot of people should listen to that. Thank you very much for talking to me about this film. If you'd like to see this film, like I said, it is now in theaters. You're listening to Kids First Common Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we just talked about the secret life of pets and also Independence Day resurgence. Right now we're going to continue talking to Ryan, but this time about the BFG, not the new one, the original one, which is now on DVD. So, Ryan, what did you think about this classic animated film? I saw the new BFG, so I was thinking, oh, maybe it's the same. So when I saw this film, I saw, like, similarities and differences, and I thought of it as, like, it was pretty much somewhat the same film, but a little bit different. Yeah, and I also saw the classic original film, and I have to say it was slightly different, but overall the same. Now, I have to ask you, what did you think about the characters? Because the characters were definitely different, especially the giants were a lot different, because in the newer film, they were a little more dumber, but in the original, they're monsters, giant, giant monsters that would you would have nightmares about. So which one do you think is better? I would say the BFG, the new one had better character designs because it felt like it was a little bit more friendly but the original bfg had a little bit more scarier designs because the giants looked extremely scary and it's kind of weird because bfg shows and makes it more realistic but the cartoon design is a little bit more scary and the characters i have to say like in the in the original bfg he has a different speech because it was hard for him to make a full sentence without him, I guess, messed up. And in the new one, I'm kind of like comparing the two, but in the new one, he was making a few sentences with him not messing up. And it's just, I guess, like, I'm just comparing the two. Just saying, like, the characters are extremely different. 
Yeah, you know, some of the plot itself is different. What I really liked about the original film is that it had, like, the style of songs and music that you see in the classic Walt Disney films. So what did you think about those uh, kind of almost music bits of the movie? I felt like it was okay, because, as I said about Secret Life of Pets, it, it matches the tone. Like, some of the scene music matches, like, how the story's gonna go. Mm. And uh, for the original BFG, do you like the older style animation? Did you think it fit the story better, or do you think that the new fancy CGI really fit it better? I felt like the fancy CGI made it better because it made it more realistic. It kind of showed, like, oh, this might show what it would be like if it actually happened in real life. And in the cartoon, it shows, because Road, I think the author's name is Road Dahl. If I say his name right, I remember, like, it's kind of the original is, in a way, based off of the book, like, the drawings, because the drawings are pretty much animations, but the new one's more as a CGI and a little bit more realistic. Hmm, I see. And did, did you ever get bored in this film at all, or it was did it entertain you the whole way through? It kind of got boring in a few scenes, and there were some scenes that interested me, because... I was comparing it, I was like looking at how it's different from the CGI film, and it kind of interests me when they show differences. For example, in the original, the BFG uses his, I guess, hood, like his, I guess, cape in a way, to fly, and in BFG, he walked with his, I guess, with his, like, I guess, cape, like, running to the giant country. It's just kind of different seeing how different they are, and it kind of got me interested. And it got boring in a few scenes because it was going a little bit slow, and it didn't really get my it didn't get me that interested in, this, in the movie. But at the same time, it did. Like after it started to get faster, the pace. And how many stars do you give this film? I give this film three point five out of five stars. My reason is because the the pace, I guess, because it was a little bit slower. And I felt like if they kind of gave it, made it a little bit faster, it would have been better. And also, I felt like since it's a children's film, I felt like the giants should have been a little bit more friendlier with the design. They kind of look more dangerous. Yeah, that's a that's pretty much what I have to say in general about the film. Now, do you, what did you think about the story? Do you think it was an original story? I know it was based off a book, but did was the ending expected? The ending was expected cause, because I kind of saw how the, the new one ended. So I kind of expected an ending similar to that. And it was very different in a, in a few ways, the ending. Well, thank you so much for talking to me about the classic BFG film. If you'd like to see it, it is now in theaters. I'm not, I mean, not in theaters, on DVD. I'm sorry. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kiss First Comic Attractions. This show is sponsored by Endgame by Shout Factors. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. 
We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. We don't care how you got here. We're just glad you showed up. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hill-Beatson, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We just finished speaking to Ryan about the original BFG on DVD, and we have talked we have talked about earlier today the Secret Life of Pets, the Dog Lover, Independence Day Resurgent. As I said before, the original BFG, and right now we are speaking again with Jerry about cinema ability. So I have I have not seen this film. But I really like what they're trying to say. I, I've seen um, the reviews about it, and I've seen the storyline about it, and I really like the message that they're trying to come across with. So this film basically focuses on equality and and the disabled with the people that don't have a problem with their mind or their physical body. So, Jerry, tell me what you thought about this film. You know, I have to say, I absolutely loved it. You know, there's not a... There's, I don't think I've ever seen one documentary that really shows the history of disabled people in Hollywood and not only the bad of what's going on today, but also the good of how many films and TV shows that show disabled people so well and perfectly. So I have to say, I absolutely love this film. And when when they say disabled people in entertainment, do they mean actual disabled people playing roles in entertainment or are they saying entertainment portraying um disabled roles you know that's also what i really like about this film it shows you both it shows you films that use people who are not disabled and then play disabled people it shows you people who are play who are disabled and play disabled people and it shows you disabled people who play normal people without any disabilities so i think that it really did well showing every single side about it yeah and and i think this is something that people should be aware of because I I feel like a lot of the time we're focusing on animals and we're focusing on hunger, which is, which are all things that we should be focusing on and, and we should be giving our attention to because everything in this world that affects us and that affects other people, we should focus on. But I, I rarely ever see things that are geared towards or we really focus on the disability of people and the, and how it's portrayed in the media. So what is your personal opinion and view of the disability theme in, in TV shows and in, and in films and on the web? You know, I think that's getting a lot better because it shows you from the very beginning, from the very beginning of film history in the very late 1800s, 
And it shows you that disabled people are treated very badly. Like there are some films that show them as horrible monsters, even though they are not that. They are very normal people. And I think it got a lot better. And it's not that bad, but it's still kind of bad. It, they kind of talk about how they show disabled people that they need help or that they are not normal people or that after they get surgery or they get something to help them deal with the disability, they get more of their lives and that they don't think normally. And the film talked about how so many shows do that. Like even a Charlie Chaplin movie showed this bl this blind woman and how Charlie Chaplin cured her. And then she got a little more flirty, a little more romantic after that. They're talking about how that's not true at all. But they're also talking about so many fantastic shows. Like they're talking about a show about a cop in a wheelchair and how he was a legendary detective. So I do think that there's so many fantastic, fantastic films that showed so well and but also there's a lot of films that mocked badly still today in 2016. And really, public view should be changed from saying disabled person to normal person. I mean, everybody's normal. So what if they live a little differently? They deal it with it and they live completely normally. Yeah, and, and I, I totally and completely agree with you. And it's like when you see disabled people, and, and as you said before, kind of, I've seen comments and I've seen not so much reviews, but comments on different films and comments on different things around social media that, oh my gosh, you know, disabled people are so not under us. And, and they may say that as well, but it's like, oh, well, they haven't lived. And then if they get a surgery or if they get something else, then their lives are, are miraculous and their, and their, and their lives are marvelous. And it's like, and, and when they have films like that, it's like, no. And, and, their lives are just as good because we have our problems and, and they have theirs. We all have different problems. So I, I'm really against the whole, oh, if you're disabled, then you're not living a good life. And, and when you, and you know, you're worthless and all that stuff. No, they're not because they live the same way we live. It's just a little bit different. And, and when we really think about it, everyone's different, everyone's different and everyone's the same. It's, it's kind of a oxymoron. So what type of disability are they talking about? Are they, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing a mental disability, but are they talking about physical or mental or both? You know, it's usually physical, like if they're missing an arm or if they can't walk. But there's okay. also some more mental ones, like if they look different or if they're blind or if they're deaf. And they talk about some shows that have blinded deaf people and people who are in wheelchairs or people who had robotic arms and all of that. And... It, what I just loved about this film is Jamie Gold, Jenny Gold, the director, she did so well. She's in a wheelchair as well. She did so well covering every single side of the topic in one film. Yeah, and I've, I recently went to, um, I can't really remember the name, but it was the Federation of the Blind, and, and there were, I think, 2,500 blind people. And I was helping them get to like, oh, I need to get to the bathroom or I need, but it was this conference and they were all, they were from all over the world, mostly in the United States, but all over the world and, and just seeing them and like, they're normal and, and they have normal needs. They need to go to the bathroom. They need to eat and, and they like to have friendships and they like to have relationships. And, and, and I've, and, and it's not just older people. A lot of people think that um, disabled people are older people, but it's young people too. And, and it's unfortunate that 
people are blind and deaf, but it's not something that holds them back. They find a new way to do things, and, and, I, and I just wanted to say that. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about the cinemability. So right now we are continuing speaking with Jerry about cinemability, and we were just talking about how I was in the Federation of the Blind and helping them, and it was really a life-changing experience for me. So did you learn anything significant about disabled people or about the media in relationship with disabled people in this film? Oh, I learned a lot. Every single bit of this film is educational and teaches you so much about what is going on and the history of it. Because like I said, it covers over a hundred years of what's been going on and just so much information. Like, like I said, how they told you about some media is good, some media is bad, and it shows you films, which is kind of almost a paradox and kind of like inception. They show you films, show you characters that are being mocked for it, and the characters live above that. And even films that you would never, ever think do such a good job of showing disabled people, like Frankenstein. They talk about Frankenstein and how a blind man looked beyond Frankenstein's outside and just looked into it inside. He couldn't see Frankenstein, so he kind of just treated Frankenstein like a normal person. And that is a very old film, and it shows that, that he was a blind man, and he was perfectly capable of talking to Frankenstein and dealing with him and treating him like a per- perfectly normal person. That's just so meaningful. And th- this film is about three or four years old, um, and it's now on DVD. Do you think that how they are saying how disability is in films and in TVs and in media, do you think it's changed from three or four years ago, or, or is it still pretty accurate how they depict it? You know, there aren't that many films with disabled people that I know of that I haven't heard of in the last few years. And it hasn't changed too much, sadly to say. There's still a very little percent of people in Hollywood who are disabled people because if you put on your resume, you're disabled in some way or another. It's pretty much an instant turnoff for a lot of casting directors, which is sad. And because of that, there hasn't really been much change in Hollywood for the last few years. So I do, I, I think it's still pretty accurate. Interesting. And... Did this film alter your perception of disability in films and and media and television? You know, I knew that films kind of didn't do a good job of portraying disabled people. Like a lot of films mocked them and showed them that they had no lives and they had needed so much help. But I didn't really realize there were so many films that show them so perfectly. Like I said, films that I would have never thought show them so perfectly. So I do say that it did alter my view quite a lot and it expanded them what I thought. Interesting. I I absolutely love documentaries because I like sitting down and learning things and not having to like write anything down because school is learning things but you have to write stuff down and you have to like actually try. But with, <laughs> with documentaries you can sit down and really just absorb the information that they're giving to you. So looking at this as a just a documentary standpoint, how does that how does it fill out in all the areas that a documentary should? Well, like I said, fantastic directing. It keeps entertain. It keeps you entertained because a lot of different actors, who some disabled, some not, they all talk about their stories, and they seem to be sometimes pretty funny. They crack a few jokes and just keep it light, keep it very, you know, bright and happy. Even though some top, some parts of it are somewhat depressing and upsetting and kind of disappointing that Hollywood treated people like that. But I do think that as a documentary, it did fantastic. And like I said, it's a very unique concept because 
I have never heard of a documentary that covers not only the full history of uh, disabled people in Hollywood, but also what's going on today, the bad, the good, just all around. Yeah, and I'm not saying that they should they should make all these different documentaries on disabled people, but it's sad that this is this is the first time that we've heard of it, or at least the first time that I've heard of it. I'm not I'm not definitely sure about you, but this is the first time that I've heard about this, and that is not okay. I'm like I should be aware. I want to be aware, and. How many stars do you give this film? I definitely give it five out of five stars for, like I said a few times, fantastic directing, entertainment elements, educational material, and also, of course, unique concept. Yes, and I, I was on IMDb, and I saw that this film is a PG-13, which surprised me a little bit because I, I often think that documentaries are PG to even G sometimes, very rarely, but more likely PG. Um, I was surprised to see that this is rated PG-13, so can you tell me why real quick? There is some mild language and there's a lot of mature topics, so I can see why they see they, they do PG-13, but honestly, that's a little harsh. I'd say 11 to 18, 10 to 18, that should be fine. Okay, got you, got you. Thank you, because I was, I was a little confused. I was like, sometimes they put it a little bit too far because there are large increments on like, oh, well, this is PG-13 and this is G and this is R. But anyway, Jerry, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about cinemability. No problem. Thanks for letting me talk about such an important topic. Yes. It's available on DVD, guys, so please check it out. It seems very informational, and you will love it. Thanks so much for joining with us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Please be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Please be sure to check out our blog on the teens section of Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Endgame from Shout Factory. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.